Thank you for joining us around the fire. For more information or to make a donation, please visit randomactsnetwork.com. Now, want to hear a scary story? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the northeast corner of my vineyard in central North Carolina, there stood a small frame house of the simplest construction. It was built of pine lumber and contained but one room, to which one window gave light. Against one end of the house and occupying half its width, there stood a huge brick chimney. The crumbling mortar had left large cracks between the bricks. The bricks themselves had begun to scale off in large flakes, leaving the chimney sprinkled with unsightly blotches. These evidences of decay were but partially concealed by a creeping vine, which extended its slender branches hither and thither in an ambitious but futile attempt to cover the whole chimney. One day, my wife requested me to build her a new kitchen. Of course, I had to build it. To save expense, I decided to tear down the old schoolhouse and used the lumber, which was in a good state of preservation, in the construction of the new kitchen. I made an estimate of the amount of material contained in it, and found that I would have to buy several hundred feet of lumber additional. One morning, old Julius McAdoo, our colored coachman, drove my wife and me over to the sawmill, from which I meant to order the new lumber. Our carriage jolted over the half-rotted corduroy road, which traversed the swamp, and then climbed the long hill leading to the sawmill. When we reached the mill, the foreman had gone over to a neighboring farmhouse, probably to smoke or gossip, and we were compelled to await his return before we could transact our business. We remained seated in the carriage, a few rods from the mill, and watched the leisurely movements of the mill hands. We had not waited long before a huge pine log was placed in position. The machinery of the mill was set in motion, and the circular saw began to lead its way through the log with a loud whir which resounded throughout the vicinity of the mill. Julius observed with a perceptible shudder, Hmm, but that just do cuddle my blood. What's the matter, Uncle Julius? inquired my wife, who is of a very sympathetic turn of mind. Does the noise affect your nerves? No, Miss Annie, I ain't nervous. But that saw, a cutting and grinding through that stick of timber, and moaning and groaning and squeaking carries my amendments back to old times and minds me of Poe Sandy. The pathetic intonation with which he lengthened out the Poe Sandy touched a responsive chord in our own hearts. And who was poor Sandy? asked my wife. Sandy, said Julius, replying to my wife's question, used to belong to old Moss Marable McSwain. Moss Marable's place was on the other side of the swamp, right next to your place. One time, when Sandy was lent out as usual, a speculator come along, and Ma's Marable swapped Sandy's wife off for a new woman. When Sandy come back, Ma's Marable gave him a dollar, 
and lowed he was monstrous sorry for the breakup of the family, but the speculator had given him big boot, and times was hard and money scarce, and so he was bleached to make a trade. Sandy took on some about losing his wife, but he soon seed they wasn't no use crying over spilt molasses, and being as he lacked the looks of the new woman, he took up with her after she'd been on the plantation a month or so. Sandy and Tenny hadn't been living together for more than two months before Mars Maribel's old uncle, who had lived down in Robeson County, sent up to find out if Mars Maribel couldn't lend him or hire him a good hand for a month or so. Sandy's master was one of these here easy-going folks would want to please everybody, and he says yes, he could lend him Sandy. It was monstrous hard on Sandy for to take him away from Tenny. It was so far down to Robeson that he didn't have no chance of coming back to see her till the time was up. Sandy was mighty sad and cast down after what Mars Maribel told him, and he says to Tenny, I'm getting monstrous tired of this year going round so much. Sandy this and Sandy that and Sandy here and Sandy there till it appears to me I ain't got no home, nor no master, nor no mistress, nor no nothing. I can't even keep a wife. My other old woman was sold away without my getting a chance for to tell her goodbye. And now I got to go off and leave you, Tenny. And I don't know whether I'm ever going to see you again. And no, I wish I was a tree, a stump, or a rock, or something what could stay on the plantation for a while. After Sandy got through talking, Tenny didn't say nary a word, but just sat there by the fire, studying and studying. By and by, she up and says, Sandy... Is I ever told you I was a conjure woman? Of course, Sandy hadn't never dreamt of nothing like that, and he made a great miration when he hear what Tenny say. I ain't goofed nobody, nor done no conjure work for 15 year or more, and when I got religion, I made up my mind I wouldn't work no more goofer. But there is some things I don't believe is no sin for to do. And if you don't want to be sent round from pillar to post, and if you don't want to go down to Robeson, I can fix things so you won't have to. If you'll just say the word, I can turn you to whatever you want to be, and you can stay right where you want to, as long as you mind to. Sandy say he don't care. He's willing for to do anything for to stay close to Tenny. Then Tenny asks him if he don't want to be turned into a rabbit. Sandy say, nah, the dogs might get after me. Shall I turn you to a wolf? says Tenny. Nah, everybody's scared of a wolf, and I don't want nobody to be scared of me. I want to be turned into something what'll stay in one place. I can turn you to a tree, says Tenny. You won't have no mouth nor ears, but I can turn you back once in a while so you can get something to eat and hear what's going on. And so Tenny took him down by the edge of the swamp not fur from the quarters, and turned him into a big pine tree and sought him out amongst some other trees. And the next morning, as some of the field hands was going long there, they seed a tree what they didn't remember it having seed before. When Mars Maribel discovered that Sandy was gone, he allowed Sandy had run away. He got the dogs out, but the last place they could track Sandy to was the foot of that pine tree. And there the dog stood and barked and bayed and pawed at the tree and tried to climb up on it. 
and Mars Marabo allowed that Sandy must have climbed up on the tree and jump off on a mule or something and rid fur enough for the sport of scent. When Sandy had been gone long enough for folks to think he'd done got clean away, Tenny used to go down to the woods at night and turn him back, and then they'd slip up to the cabin and sit by the fire and talk. But they had to be monstrous careful, or else somebody would have seen them, and that would have spoiled the whole thing. So Tenny always turned Sandy back in the morning, early, before anybody was astirring. But Sandy didn't get along without his trials and tribulations. One day a woodpecker come along and minced a peck at the tree. And the next time Sandy was turns back, he had a little round hole in his arm, just like a sharp stick been stuck in it. After that, Tenny sought a sparrowhawk for to watch the tree. Another time, Mars Marable sent a nigger out in the woods for to chop turpentine boxes. The man chop a box in dish here tree and hack the bark up two or three feet for to let the turpentine run. The next time Sandy was turned back, he had a big scar on his left leg. After that, Tenny sought a hunted for to watch the tree, and when it come back again for to cut another box on the other side of the tree, the hunted stung him so hard that the axe slipped and cut his foot nigh about off. When Tenny see so many things happening to the tree, she concluded she had to turn Sandy to something else. And after studying the matter over and talking with Sandy one evening, she made up her mind for to fix up a goofer mixture what would turn herself and Sandy to foxes or something so they could run away and go somewheres where they could be free and live like white folks. But there ain't no telling what's going to happen in this world. Tenny had got the night sought for her and Sandy to run away when that very day one of Mars Marable's sons rid up to the big house in his buggy and say his wife was monstrous sick and he wanted his mammy to lend him a woman for the nurse's wife. Tenny's mistress say, send Tenny. She was a good nurse. Tenny tried to make some excuse for to get away and hide till night when she would have everything fixed up for her and Sandy. She say she want to go to her cabin for to get her bonnet. Her mistress say it don't matter about the bonnet. Her head hanker was good enough. Then Tenny say she want to get her best frock. Her mistress say no, she don't need no more frock. And when that one got dirty, she could get a clean one where she was going. So Tenny had to get in the buggy and go along with young Moss Duncan to his plantation, which was more than 20 mile away. And there wasn't no chance of her seeing Sandy no more till she come back home. The poor gal felt monstrous bad about the way things was going on, and she knowed Sandy must be a wondering why she didn't come turning back no more. While Tenny was away nursing young Mars Duncan's wife, Mars Marabo took a notion for to build him a new kitchen. And being as he had lots of timber on his place, he begun to look round for a tree to have the lumber sawed out in. Tenny was gone, and there wasn't nobody and nothing for to watch the tree. The two men would cut the tree down say they never had such a time with a tree before. They axes would glance off and didn't appear to make no progress through the wood. And of all the creaking and shaking and wobbling you ever see, that tree done it when it commenced to fall. When they got the tree all trim up, they chain it up to a timber wagon and start for the sawmill. First, they got stuck in the mud when they was going across the swamp, and it was two or three hours before they could get it out. When they start on again, the chain kept a coming loose, and they had to keep a stopping and a stopping for to hitch the log up again. 
When they commenced to climb the hill to the sawmill, the log broke loose and rolled down the hill in amongst the trees, and it took nigh about half a day more to get it hauled up to the sawmill. The next morning, after the day the tree was hauled to the sawmill, Tenny come home. When she got back to her cabin, the first thing she done was to run down to the woods and see how Sandy was getting on. When she seed the stump standing there, with the sap running out in it, and the limbs laying scattered round, she now about went out in her mind. She run to her cabin and got a goofer mixture, and then followed the track of the timber wagon to the sawmill. The hands at the sawmill had just got the big log on the carriage and was starting up the saw when they seed a woman running up the hill, all out of breath, crying and going on just like she was plumb stracted. It was Tenny. She come right into the mill and throwed herself on the log right in front of the saw, a hollering and crying to her Sandy to forgive her and not to think hard of her, for it wasn't no fault of her. Then Tenny remembered the tree didn't have no years, and she was getting ready for the work of goofer mixture so as to turn Sandy back when the mill hands caught hold of her and tied her arms with a rope and fastened her to one of the posts in the sawmill. And then they started to saw up again and cut the log up into boards and scantlings right before her eyes. But it was mighty hard work, for of all the squeaking and moaning and groaning, that log done it whilst the saw was a-cutting through it. They greased the saw, but that didn't stop the fuss. It kept right on till finally they got the log all sawed up. When the overseer would run the sawmill come from breakfast, the hands up and tell him about the crazy woman what had come running in the sawmill, a-hollering and going on, and tried to throw herself before the saw. And the overseer sent two or three of the hands for to take Tenny back to her master's plantation. Tenny appeared to be out in her mind for a long time, and her master had to lock her up in the smokehouse till she got over her spells. Whilst Tenny was locked up in the smokehouse, Mars Maribo took and hauled a lumber from the sawmill and put up his new kitchen. He didn't know what to do with Tenny. First, he thought he'd put her in the pole house. But finally, seeing as she didn't do no harm to nobody nor nothing, but just went around moaning and groaning and shaking her head, he clued to let her stay on the plantation and nurse the little nigger chillins when they mammies was to work in the cotton field. The new kitchen Mars Marabou built wasn't much use. And by and by it got so Mars Maribo's wife herself was scared to go out in the yard after dark. They could hear something moaning and groaning about in the kitchen in the nighttime. And when the wind would blow, they could hear something hollering and squeaking like it was in great pain and suffering. And it got so after a while that it was all Mars Maribo's wife could do to get a woman to stay in the kitchen in the daytime long enough to do the cooking. That is, except in Tenny. She used to slip round at night and sit on the kitchen steps and lean up against the dough jam and run on to herself with some kind of foolishness what nobody couldn't make out. And they all know the kitchen was haunted by Sandy's spirit. Mars Maribo took and tore the kitchen down and used the lumber for to build that old schoolhouse what you were talking about pulling down. The schoolhouse was in use, excepting in the daytime, and on dark nights, folks going along the road would hear queer sounds and see queer things. Poor old Tenny used to go down there at night and wander around the schoolhouse. 
in one winter morning, when one of the boys went to school early for to start the fire, what should he find but poor old Tenny laying on the floor, stiff and cold and dead. She had just grieved herself to death for her Sandy. Mars Maribo didn't shed no tears. He thought Tenny was crazy, and there wasn't no telling what she might do next. And there ain't much room in this world for crazy white folks, let alone a crazy nigger. When the wall broke out, the school stopped, and the old schoolhouse been standing empty ever since. That is, exceptin' for the haunts. And folks says that the old schoolhouse, or any other house what got any of that lumber in it what was sawed out in the tree what Sandy was turned into, is going to be haunted till the last piece of plank is rotted and crumble into dust. Charles W. Chestnut Told by James K. White